give me two. All right. So basically, Colin, we're just going to talk just to catch up as normal. And if we say anything uncouth, we can always, can always cut it out. But I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> I'm sure we'd never do that. No, not Colin Carson. Pretty sure that's what you're famous for. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. <laughs> it's It's been a very long Life time. Been you well? Yeah, it's so good. Really good, good. good. Been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster with the uh, good old coronavirus. I know I was chatting to you some time ago when uh, this whole podcast was uh, initiated. Like, yeah. Thought of. Well, life was a bit of a nightmare for me all winter, but thankfully it seems to be getting back to normal. So. Yeah, you were saying. Um, and then you went and had your vaccine and you were worried about that. And then you ended up having, which vaccine did you end up getting? I had the AstraZeneca and the day after I had it, they pulled it off the market in Denmark and Norway and scared the shit out of me even more. So but <laughs> I, I, managed, I managed to survive both it and my booster. So here we are. <laughs> so you're doing well and you're, you're, you're safe from the virus now, or I guess as safe as you can well, be? Allegedly so. <laughs> uh, not, not sure I believe too much of what anybody says about it, but there you are. <laughs> You have conformed. <laughs> yeah, I've conformed would be more to the point. I thought I was going to be stuck with my dear 90-year-old mother forever if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> had, to, had to get out. Uh, where in the world are yeah. you? Currently, I'm on a little village called Battenkinden in Switzerland. Wow. Um, it's about a, an hour from Bern. Uh, okay. Very beautiful place. Uh, we've just run our first round of the Swiss championships. Um, and we, we got a lovely weekend. We had a couple of wins and some seconds. So the results were good. Is this the and team that you're coaching? Last, yeah. So I, I work for a club over here. And most of the, the games in Switzerland is run through clubs. There aren't very many people that own their own land or own their own ponies. Farming in Switzerland is very heavily subsidized, so land is a crazy price. It's when my employer's son set up his own place, he wanted to buy another eight hectares of land and they wanted a million euros for it. <laughs> so it's a bit crazy. So most people can't afford that, so they keep their ponies, they ride the club ponies, and so there are six or seven big clubs that operate most of the teams so when i was communicating with you setting up this call and you said that you were teaching so is that teaching games <laughs> actually this was not um i also teach flat work lessons and occasionally jumping at this club as well oh wow so you're full-time riding instructor of, of yeah all pretty much over here yeah that's incredible i can i can teach everything but i prefer to teach games yeah, uh, well, saying that, like, how beneficial do you think it is to know, say, the dressage? Oh, I, I think it's been usually beneficial to me. I was very well taught when I was young, um, and I I was lucky to have teachers like Iris Kellett, who, who taught Eddie Macken and Paul Dara and Peter Giles, all the top shoe jumpers that came out of Ireland, um, and she won the Hickstead Queen's Cup three times herself. So being taught by people like that when you're young, I still use a lot of that today. 
Wow, that's incredible. And it's paying your bills now, teaching teaching sports. Mostly. Coronavirus is doing its best to stop me paying my bills, but I'm trying to survive through it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Preaching to the choir. I think everyone's in a similar boat. That's crazy. So you've been teaching games and you said that you're like teaching for a club. Like that's pretty cool. I don't even know that they were like teaching games or like was something that people get paid for, which is pretty cool. The, the sport's obviously bigger mm. than I thought in some countries, or it's just the way it's set up. Oh, well, it is, but it's not. It's not possible to do it in any one country unless you're able to move about. You wouldn't make a living out of it. There's only so much work in each place. So you can do a, a little bit here and a little bit there, and if you can manage to make them join together you can just about get by but I, I mean there's no reason why there shouldn't be paid coaches and games like there is in every other equestrian sphere and that that will happen with time there's more and more of them yeah um, i think there definitely are a few there's a few around so, at the moment so there are definitely a few um and i think Obviously, the better coaching you get. If people are prepared to go out and spend 20-odd thousand on the games pony, they might be better spending a couple of thousand on teaching their child how to ride it. Absolutely. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Would be my opinion on the thing. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Uh, Talking about learning to ride ponies, I guess, I don't know. Have you, you, you saw the pony that I rode at Worlds in Wales. You were there. The one that I ended I up did. on. Pony of the Dodds. His name was Apollo. He was a bit of a tanky, yeah. fiery little little guy. Um, and I've struggled yeah. with him so much. I thought I thought when I got him that like he would be a quick fix, and he has not been. <laughs> um, but I must say, he like the last three competitions, he's absolutely blown my mind, and I'm genuinely enjoying I, I saw your posts after the last competition it sounded very um fruitful sounded like things were going the right direction yeah i'm so happy about That's it it's great. like i can't wait for you to see us uh competing again yeah, it's nice to hear that you're you know getting some reward for your hard work that's so important yeah I did it's just also fun. i think it's even more satisfying if it hasn't been an easy road true 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 <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so when is the next like international? Are you going to Europeans? When is Europeans? I I'm taking I'm taking two um Swiss boys to well they're taking me actually to Denmark. I'm coaching them there. Uh, Marino and Renato Cameron are riding yeah. in the open individuals. So awesome. I will be there with them all being well, providing there's no hiccups in transit. Yeah. <laughs> Those two spend Which quite a bit of time. you can never be certain of at the minute. <laughs> no. Yeah, that is a bit stressful. Trying to work out what exactly you're supposed to have to go anywhere is the biggest problem, especially as it changes every five minutes. Mm. <laughs> so. Wow. So you say they're taking you. So you're going over as their instructor and you'll stay there yeah, and yeah. train them each session kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. And then That's... I'll probably stay a couple of days. I have a friend that lives near Copenhagen and I will go out to her riding school for the Monday and Tuesday and maybe do some coaching as well. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's just keep, every, so. every day's a work day. 
Yeah, every day's a work day at the minute. After 14 days stolen for our 14 months stolen from me from coronavirus, it's gonna be like that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um and then I well, knowing that obviously we on a call with you, I just remembered you came to South Africa at some point and you did I think you helped us run a competition. Was it nations? Yeah, we I I I helped you run nations and refereed the nation first nations that you did. Um, we did some assistant refereeing courses and we did some clinics around the country and tried to get things up and running a bit better. Um, uh, most of you that I worked with are still playing, so I hopefully I did something right. <laughs> I As four of you have now emigrated to England to play more, it seems that you, you got the bug. <laughs> yeah, you definitely inspired us to, to keep on playing, which yeah. is good. You taught us some cool techniques. Yeah. And like, I think at one point, like in the last podcast, we spoke about this, about how you pick up a flag. I think you taught us to take it with like a, your hand, like facing down. Well, at least at the time, this was the technique. And I think it has since changed to taking it with your hand, like sort of facing up. Well, it really depends which flag race you're playing. If you're playing four flag, I would still teach you to, to pick it up with the hand inverted. But in five flag, I would teach you to pick it up with a palm down. And in two flag, I would teach you to pick it up with a palm down. So really, it's horses for courses. Cool. And then it, the technique usually reflects what you really need to do, especially immediately you pick up the flag. And it's how you get it clear of the other flags fastest um to stop pulling them together mostly is what it's related to for sure and that makes perfect sense because i could see how i guess like two flag and flag flyers or five flag because you'll be coming down at pace and i guess it's easier to like flick that flag back if you have yeah arm facing down whereas with yeah. flag flyers you have like more control over it with your hand sort of open with your palm out yeah makes sense how was your time in South yeah. Africa? Did you have a good time in South Africa? I had a great time in South Africa. Um, it was really wonderful. Um, I was hosted by Ian, who I'd known for quite a long time, and he and his wife were very good to me. Uh, we ate like kings, and we <laughs> drank far too much, and uh, I've always been a little afraid to go back because I don't think my liver would cope with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Especially any time spent around the 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 host of the the man who owned the the place where we played. Oh, Henny Kritzinger. <laughs> yeah, Henny Henny's company is a bit hectic. <laughs> Even for an Irishman, I had to drink like I was like I did when I was twenty one. I haven't done that for ever again since. <laughs> I think I remember the one night was absolutely raucous. <laughs> oh dear! Uh, they took me to a car car racing weekend that they were all going to in the, in the bus, and uh, somebody handed me a a rum and coke the next day, and I I had gone to sleep after a wild night, you know, and I had no idea what time it is. I hadn't even looked at my clock, and I thought it was probably about midday, so I just took it off, and then when they were pouring the second, and I find a clock to look at and I realized it was only 8 30 in the morning and I thought this is a bit crazy (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, so we, we usually wait till the sun's over the yard arm in Ireland, you know. <laughs> Respect. No, and it was very, it's a great experience because I hadn't been to, I actually hadn't been to Africa, any part of Africa before. So seeing, seeing the places that you'd heard of and seen on TV and in movies and things like that and, and getting a feel for the country and the people was, was I thought it was a great experience. I really did enjoy it. So you got to enjoy yourself a real bra barbecue. Yeah, I did indeed. Yeah, and that, oh, and that that really top class sausage that you eat. I still can't find it in supermarkets today. Burrovos. I don't remember. Yeah, that one. <laughs> It's I had really a, good. I had a bry with some friends recently and uh, there were a couple of, well, it was like a, a basically a South African bry because it was a bunch of South Africans that happened to live in the UK all got together and had a bry. And uh, p- people usually go there, like, go out of their way to like source South African products just to like flex. Yeah. It's usually quite expensive here. Um, so like yeah. people would rock up and they'll have some bultong, which is like this dried, I guess you guys yeah. call it jerky or something. Uh, I um, love it, yeah. And I, I ate tons of it in, <laughs> in South <laughs> Africa. Uh, there was a story, a bit of a story about that. So we, I was with some New Zealanders and we went to the lion park and <laughs> we were driving through the gates and in through the lions and I thought it would be a great idea to get a closer look at the lions. So I threw a handful of my biltong onto the bonnet of the car. (laughs) (laughs) The driver of the car has not forgiven me yet. (laughs) As the next minute, there were two lions looking at me through the windscreen. (laughs) (laughs) That lion park is is like so crazy. We've had so many like ridiculous experiences there. Like when I was with Alistair, we also got chased by a lion and, that was crazy. Because, <laughs> like, when you go that in, they tell you that, like, if the lion approaches your car, you need to drive slowly and just, like, slowly back away from it. Sure, that yeah. makes perfect sense. And then you drive in, as you go through the gate, the security guard guy, he's like, if the lion comes to your car, just just drive away, just get away. Yeah. So I was like, those are, like, pretty conflicting <laughs> uh, instructions. <laughs> so like we sort of like just thought we'd just try to slowly get away as this lion was approaching us and it just kept coming to us. So we're like the faster we kept moving away from it, the, like it just started running at us. So then I did like a crazy J turn and then we were basically like doing a little speedway around that little dirt road in the, <laughs> in the lion park. It was crazy. And like oh, everyone was great, screaming. Great. It was scary. Uh. <laughs> Great experiences, great experiences. Does, does make some good experiences. What else did you do when you were in South Africa? Did you go on any game drives and things? Uh, I, uh, I had a, I'm a great, I love to go fishing. I don't know if I'm a great fisherman or not, but I like to fish anyway. Um, and I, it's terrible. I can't remember his name. He took me up to the big dam and took me tiger fishing and it had been a dream of mine to catch a tiger fish on the fly and i did that um let's try and help you remember who that was was it one of the riders Um, i tell you i I think it was his daughter that broke her arm in the lesson (laughs) when i was there one of one of the girls broke her arm in the lesson um bruce was that his name was he was there a bruce 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 Bruce. i have a photo Somewhere I'll send it to you because you'd you'd probably know him if you saw it. Uh, 
we get that Ooh. sorted after the after the meeting. <laughs> it's a long time ago, no, I, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, it's, it seems like, seems like after a few years ago, no. It must have been like the only time I came. Yeah, was well, uh, probably fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was some time ago, though. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, there was lots of good experiences. So, uh, but it was good, and like you, you gave us some. Nights. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's what drives me is trying to help as many people in the sport and, and get the sport up and running in places. Uh, I've done a lot of work in South Island, New Zealand. Whenever I first started going there, there were only four riders, really. And now South Island, New Zealand is probably half the New Zealand membership. And oh, wow. may, may take over the north in numbers very soon. So, um, What is been, the trick? What's the trick to growing games? I think trying to trying to make people work together as a unit, um, to accept everybody for who they are, and not worry about their weaknesses and try and utilize them for their strengths, um, and just to avoid conflicts within the organization. And always remember that we do this for fun, and try and keep it fun no matter how serious it gets. Absolutely. I that's think nice. that, that that's hugely important. The conflicts are what kills it. Um, the splits and everything else. Um, uh, it's very hard when you get to certain levels, but you need to change management styles and and put in people with different skills as you go up through the numbers. And at the start, you need a very hands-on approach. And once you get a bit bigger, you need a more committee approach and it always has to be transparent and fair um and then there comes another point later on where you need to go back to a more authoritarian approach i think if you're going to keep it running but it generally keeping it fun and avoiding the conflict shaking hands and agreeing to disagree very important um but you still have to stand your ground if things are totally unfair. So Yeah, so I think, I mean, that sort of takes us into the, I guess, I'll, I remember you having fallouts at some points on Facebook and everyone was basically glued to their phones just watching it take place. Uh, I don't remember exactly who it was to do with, but I, I'm pretty sure it was like MGA and then you, because I think you had your own like uh, rants page or... You had yeah, some- I still have. I, so I have a, a page called The Bookies View, and I originally did it on the IMGA Facebook page, and I, I, I wrote up reports about the international competitions because lots of people that couldn't be there were still interested, and not everybody can go to every competition, and, and it was a way for them to, to keep in and realized what had happened that weekend how the story had unfolded and everything else but i don't always not always as pc as people think i should be and i tend to speak my mind and certain people don't always like that and we got to a point where um my mga felt i'd overstepped the mark and they told me that if i did it again they wouldn't allow me to post there so I said that unfortunately that was inevitable, so it was time for a split. So <laughs> we we took we took the bookies view onto its own page, and 
I, I mean, I'd often had a couple of hundred likes from my posts and I thought that was great. And that, so I thought maybe I had 200 followers and in the first week I had over 1,200. So I was really quite shocked at how many people read my posts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Obviously there was... not all of them. All of them commented or anything. So, so yeah, it did make me feel that it was worthwhile. It takes a lot of time and effort to do it right, but I'm old and I'm kind of find I, I struggle to do my job of coaching well and going out in the tear at night. So whilst I miss out on some of the parties now, uh, I I tell the story of the weekend as it goes along and try and keep people in the loop. Love it. I think it's so good. I, I, that's sort of what we're trying to do now, I guess, with the podcast, which is yeah. cool as to why we have you as well. And I don't think we're doing the best job of it yet, but I mean, we're still learning. Um, and I guess like as things go, we'll venture into different paths and see what comes up. Oh, I think it's great that you guys are trying to, I mean, any promotion of the sport is always going to help. And, and I think the sport has actually gone through a phase recently where it's actually shrunk rather than grown for the first time. So I think a, a little promotion will go a long way to redressing that situation. Yeah, yeah, because like it's it's like the we're doing like little catch ups and things, but it's mainly UK based because this is where we are. Like we could probably, if we put a lot of effort into it, we could find go out global. what's happening everywhere <laughs> else in the world. But like, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. people in other countries can make podcasts too, or I don't know, come up with other ways of letting us know what's going uh, I'm, on. I'm sure that, that every everything needs leaders and you guys will lead the way and people will follow what's happened. I mean, we have we have quite a lot of advancements. We have I'm trying to still do the international competitions when they happen and keep people posted on those. We have the MG scoreboard, which now covers a lot of competitions so people can see results from all over the place. And there's, prog there's progression in all this. Yeah, when I was talking to Frodo, he was saying like the one thing that he thinks is missing is to have like uh, video footage of every competition or... I guess as many competitions as possible. And he was sort of wanting us to do that. And I would love to, but like half, or oh, I ride every weekend, I'm competing as it is. Um, yeah. So I think it's almost like it should become the task of the event organizer to have yeah. a camera that's constantly live streaming. Well, yeah. I mean, and we do have live stream at a lot of the big events. Um, unfortunately, IMGA as an organization um, doesn't feel that every class needs the same and it likes to only live stream the opens and whoever plays in their arena and the other, if it's the under 17s and the under 12s or what are the under 15s or the whatever, they don't get the same value because their people can't watch them on live stream through the competition. Everybody pays the same entry fee. So I think if you're going to run to Two arenas you need to have live on both would be my opinion and a strong opinion what was that company that used to do all the live streaming okay so there was a guy i'm not i can't remember the name of the company the irish guy used to do a lot of live streaming but he he did it through facebook and when facebook twigged at sony was broadcasting through them they suddenly decided they weren't going to allow anybody to do that anymore without paying them and that sort of 
caused it to fall on its face. So we need someone that <laughs> can build us a website. So, and that, then, then there was the French company that did it too. Um, and they they did it well and, and they they did make money at it. But I think the boys went on to do something else in broadcasting, I'm not sure. And they, they decided they weren't making enough money at it and stopped. Um, I like, like most things like that, unless they can insert enough advertising into it, it'll be hard to make it pay. And unless they have enough watchers, the advertising won't come. It, so you really have to do it on a, knowing you won't make a profit at it for a few years until you have enough. Uh, not so many people are prepared to do that. Yeah. Be like any business to build, but it, it was never going to be hugely profitable. Um, well, not for the next 10 years, as I can see. I mean, I think the game still has a place, and I think it will continue growing again after coronavirus. I don't know how the travel is going to be affected and, and how the international is going to be affected. We already have a situation where there's no British or Irish teams and i don't think individuals either going to europeans because mm. of the cost and because the irish public government basically said they couldn't go yeah it is extremely difficult and that brings on to because like europeans that everyone's just written that one off because it's now like it's like a i guess a multiplier having like for the irish having to travel through england to go i think through france they usually do yeah well we don't actually have to do that i mean from you can go directly from Ireland to France. You can now go Dublin to Cherbourg. It used to be Ross there to Cherbourg. Um, I think they're both routes now, and it's a longer ferry. But we've always well, once we started traveling more and more, we realized that the ponies actually travel better on the ferry than they do on the road. And at the end of the day, the ferry companies will not allow you on if it's really rough. So uh, that's the only problem. <laughs> That would be when we would have had to switch to go through the UK. But with Brexit, the price and the paperwork is not viable at the minute. Yeah. From what from what I can gather. Now you would be in a better situation to talk about that than me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm not too sure about how it is for the Irish, but for us, I'm pretty sure no one's going well, no one is going to Europeans. Uh, no. I think there there's two teams that are hopeful. To well, to go to worlds. England wanted to go to worlds. They were hoping that we could travel together and split costs, but I don't think we can actually put together a team. Right. Our committees made it well. Our committee seems to make it quite difficult uh, to let riders in that haven't sort of been riding or haven't contributed to the sport. In in South Africa, this is a a common complaint. It's a hard balance to strike. In fairness to there are both sides of that story. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I I had it a lot whenever I had riders from Northern Ireland going often to university in England and playing always in England. And then the committee at home wanted them to come back to trial. And I mean, it was crazy for them to come back and trial. And also they were playing at a higher level week in, week out, and they were obviously going to make the team if they trialed. So... I think I think countries have to find a balance of 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 a paper trial and a 
and an, a realistic trial. And just because a rider's not in the country for a couple of years doesn't mean that they haven't um, added to the sport. In fact, that they often have added a great deal and they, the knowledge that they gain when they're abroad, when they eventually do come home, if they do come home, is going to benefit the organization hugely. Uh, Australia had a had a, a, a their stance they wouldn't let anybody that wasn't in the country um, ride for Australia and yet they didn't insist on the members being even at any one of the national championships to, to ride so they could be in Australia not go to a national competition be on the team they could have been come home for one national competition, ridden in that, and be playing abroad and not be allowed to be on the team, which was ludicrous. Uh, eventually, we managed to get that changed, and and some of the riders that had gone to the UK, usually only for a season, not for a full year, um, to extend their skills, were allowed to ride. Um, so it's just a matter of working through it. I feel like we're in a similar situation to them, Australia. But I don't think any of it is actually concrete. Uh, like a lot of it has to go through SASCOC, which is like our countries. Like if you were to ride for South Africa, if you want to ride for your country and have the badge on your shirt, you have to like follow yep. the selection criteria, um, which okay. then makes it difficult, obviously, if we're going to be taking riders that haven't gone through that selection criteria. So South Africa is fully aligned with their federation. Yeah, we, well, we have been until what? Well, this year we—it's not going to be possible, I don't think, because riders won't okay. won't afford to come here because they'll have to quarantine and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, this is a—it's one of the big problems with um, games, especially in IMGA, where the countries are the members of the organization. There was a big drive to make every country a member of the federation, but whilst this would seem to be a, a logical step forward, there are a lot of problems with it. For example, it, it can be it's exceedingly expensive to become a fully fledged member of your federation. And instead of the riders paying, I don't know, somewhere in a ballpark of 100 or 150 a year for memberships, um, they would probably be paying a thousand pounds a year for memberships if it was a fully aligned sport in the UK instead of being an associate member. It would put it out of reach of many riders. And I don't personally, I think we're a grassroots sport. I think until we're in a situation where we have 40 countries with regular playing members and probably a, a global membership of about 150 200,000 that we're not going to be in a position to make a decent deal with the federation um and i think we'd be better staying away from the federations until that point but now most of the countries are at least an associate member of the federation which is a position that you can sort of take it's not very profitable to you but you can at least say that you're aligned with your federation without having to take on all their rules Okay. So therefore, therefore, your your MGA in South Africa, if it wasn't fully aligned, if it was only an associate member, it could have its own criteria for selection. It wouldn't have to follow the national federation criteria. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, 
you're making me doubt whether we are fully or not fully aligned with our prediction. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we have been, but maybe, well, we definitely won't be able to at the moment. So I don't know. We were thinking, yeah. we were like, Tom and I, or me, Tom and Meg, were just thinking like, well, maybe we just don't ride for South Africa, but I think we have to. Don't you have to be? Yeah, for, for IMGA, you will have to. Yeah, so um, there's no way around that. But no. we have a, another go at it of doing or well, having a competition that's pretty much as big. Uh, yeah. and that's Champions League, which we were lucky enough to qualify for last year. And obviously it hasn't happened yeah. yet. Um, well, well, hopefully it will. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be able to choose... Well, I think we only have three or four riders for, from our original team that are able to ride. So we have to try and find another rider or two, which is exciting. I think that's fairly normal whenever teams qualify from from the year before. Most countries have some, some sway or departure from one team to another team um, or people quit the sport for whatever reason. Lots of people take a break from the sport the first year they work or the first year they're at university. So often you will have teams that only have three or four from the year before. I think the Champions League allows for that. It, as far as I know, it was only three yeah. riders have to be. So I think that's a sensible position. Uh, the Champions League has been a great success. Uh, uh, Quentin uh, has been a lot to do with that, and I think Rory's fairly heavily on board now too. Um, it allows teams from any sort of from from MGAGB or Struck or whatever to to compete against each other. So I think that's a, a progressive move. I see that at the IMGA international meeting that they decided that they would take on the running of a similar type of competition. And I, personally, I don't think it's their position to do so because IMGA represents the countries, not the club teams. And I don't think they should be in, involved in that. Um, I think they should focus on running the six uh, sanctioned competitions that they run better and not worry about a club competition. That was Rory and Quentin started that and it should remain their ball game. But that's my stance on the, the thing. Awesome. So would you then have a positive viewpoint on having two organizations within a country like we do here? Well, well I mean, for example, in business in, in the UK, UK law, there's a thing called the Monopolies Commission. So any no business is allowed to completely control one individual market. There has to be at least theoretically competition. So we had a situation with MGAGB where it had grown so dramatically that they were trying to run three arenas. Now, anybody that had read any books at all would know that running a three-ring three circus is a bad idea. <laughs> so... We had families go into competitions with three riders from different age groups and they had to choose which rider they wanted to watch because they had to be running one arena. They had to be way doing refereeing in another arena. And it was just madness. Nobody wanted to do it. In fact, I don't believe anybody really wants to operate on two arenas. However, it caused a problem. And, and to, try and, to try and solve the problem... MGAGB took on more full-time employees and that then caused 
the price to push up. And as far as people were concerned, they were paying more and getting less. And that always creates a bad feeling and a bad situation. So the world was ripe for a second organization. It was only a matter of time before it happened. And Rory took it on and has done a very good job. I think in the fullness of time, competition will only be a good thing, has to be a good thing, because it will force both or all the organizations to run better competitions and make better shows. Initially, like all splits and seasons within a sport, it was probably not a good thing. And I think we had a, a major drop in membership across both organizations. When you look at the number of open teams, there were about 18 or 19 in each, each organization when they held the, their British championships on the same weekend. But I can remember going to an inter-counties that had F and G finals, which meant there were 60-odd teams across the board and not 36 or 37. So there All has right. been a big, a big drop-off at some point and the three ring circus saga. I've heard a lot of <laughs> the three ring circus saga. Um, I've heard a lot of people uh, obviously talking about those days where you're talking about like, the F and G finals. And I wish I was here to see them because I, I haven't been. I've only been here when there's maybe a C or D final. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it, from what I have heard, has had a lot to do with coronavirus as well. I. <laughs> I think we use coronavirus and Brexit a lot for excuses for everything. Um, the coronavirus either stopped the competition or or let it go on. There wasn't anything in between. There's no reason why it should actually have directly affected the numbers. Yes, there were people like me whose income was grossly affected, um, but most people across the spectrum if they were self-employed and they had a business that had been operating for more than two years, didn't actually lose that much income. And anybody that was employed and lost um, time and earnings because of coronavirus got about 80% of their salary. Uh, maybe that did cut out a certain amount of, of um, income for, for sport, but I don't believe it had a huge effect on the numbers. I think it happened long before corona was even thought of. Um, I'm more than happy to to take that viewpoint on it as well. Yeah, fair enough, makes sense, or at least a mixture between the two. So, how, so you just think it's the the three ring circus that did it all? Uh, yeah, I honestly Where's think that? that it's funny thing when, when you when everybody's going along and it was and it was and hopefully still is seen as a great family sport. It was one of the few things where you could see three or even four generations of a family together all weekend and enjoying themselves and wanting to be there. Not like Christmas when you have the whole family together and you can't wait to get out of there to go to the pub. <laughs> but, you know, and, and whenever you split the family up and they weren't able to see and watch everybody and help everybody and be there to support everybody, I think that some families just just lost the love for the sport and, and probably walked away. Uh, I, and I think it's very hard to get that back. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, for me question. and for you, this, this sport is in our blood and we're a bit like the Hotel California. We can check out any time we like, but we can never leave. 
but that's not everybody's position. And a lot of people, especially when their their second or third kid is heading into open, will probably say, "We've been doing this for fifteen years. We want to do something else." And unless you have a very good situation, you won't hold on to them. Wow. It is like spoken a lot by people saying like, oh, they think they're going to give up or uh, when they stop doing games, that sort of thing. Uh, Mark will tell you every year that he's going to stop, but he'll probably be 90 before he does. (laughs) Are you talking about Mark Devitt? Mark Devitt. (laughs) (laughs) He's still in it, but uh, like, what does he... What does he do for an income? What what is his job? Does he? He's a pa- he runs a painting business, not okay. painting pictures, painting houses. <laughs> <laughs> I must just love the horses, then, hey. Yeah, yeah. Does he produce that, ponies? No, as well? I, yeah, he he does buy and sell the odd pony and produce a few too. So, um, so they they have a bit of land and a few stables, so he's able to do that. So. Awesome. So, what else do you want to talk about? Oh, just whatever, whatever comes to mind. I'd be interested to know what you know about what's happening going forward with, I guess, Europeans. We can talk about talk about worlds. I don't know if you know what's happening in in uh, Switzerland. If any exciting things are happening there. Okay. Ah, uh, well, Switzerland, like I say, we just about managed to get our first round underway and. That was a big success. And there were a few teams didn't make it, but there was a clash with something in France. A lot of the teams in Geneva and that area of Switzerland play in France as well. And so sometimes there can be a bit of a clash, but we have a system in Switzerland where there's usually six rounds of the Swiss Championship. You must attend the final, but the other you only have to attend four of the other five rounds. This year, because of Corona, there's only five rounds, so you only have to attend three. Attend three of the four if the final's still there. So um, that will probably cause causes a few teams not to be there when there's certain other things on. I have, I don't think it's a good thing, but I can also see that. Um, I mean, you could easily have a situation where the German players. German Swiss German players were also playing in Germany because most of the competitions in Germany are actually a hell of a long way from Switzerland. That doesn't happen, but but it could also be the thing too. So I suppose it's only fair they can and if if you go to all five rounds, then you can drop your worst score. So you're probably at an advantage. <laughs> I love that. Always always trying to find the sneaky advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you go through life and you don't look for the advantage, you will not do so well. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So, and then how are things otherwise? What have you done today? You were doing some teaching? Did you do some games uh, today? today? Oh, yeah, we had a... So after having a glorious weekend uh, with weather, whereas last year's competition here in Batten-Kinton was washed out halfway through the Sunday, um, we then had a tornado on Monday afternoon out of the blue that struck this part of Switzerland. So there's huge um, crop and forestry damage, and it's quite there's quite a lot of wooded areas around here. And 
a lot of roof damage and flooding. We had six of the stables at the club were completely flooded out, and we had to wheelbarrow the water out of them. And there's a lot of basements in the houses around here. There was so much rain fell quickly that they all flooded, and the fire brigade seems to dump the water into the river down by our club. So we've been seeing the fire engine go up and down for the last three days after it's been sucking the water out of people's houses. And there's huge numbers of trees down, roads blocked all over the place. The clear-up has been pretty chaotic, so we've been pretty busy doing that. Uh, It's the first time I've seen anything like that in Switzerland, and uh, the damage, especially to the the forest, is quite extensive. Wow. Uh, Colin, uh, there was a question that I wanted to ask from the previous podcast as well. Uh, Frodo, <laughs> Frodo said that uh, Ben Hopkins could not be satisfied if he does not beat Frodo and Colin Verdelan. Um, I think that's um. You'll have to ask Ben. <laughs> uh, we've spoken to Ben about it. Ben, um, Ben's pretty confident. Have you Have you yeah. watched Ben ride? Yeah, I've watched Ben a lot, and I know the pony. I was involved in bringing it over from New Zealand. Um, so it's it's very capable, and so is he. Um, Frodo has always said that he won't beat him, but um, even Frodo will have to get old sometime. I think you're giving him that. There's sandbag. a natural. There's a natural thing that happens no matter how well you keep your body that your vision starts to deteriorate slightly in your mid thirties, and I think that will happen to him, but. There's no reason why Colin shouldn't be riding at the very top level, providing the pony stays sound for a while longer. So, but I, I think it's any given day between the three of them, probably. Yeah, love it. Oh. Are you still there? Yeah, my yeah. battery thing. I'm about twenty percent battery, so just in case you you won't lose me yet for a few minutes, but at some point you might. That's all right. I enjoyed talking to you. I don't think I have too much yeah. else to speak about. Maybe you can give us some wise words, some some parting words, a, a wise some, some little, words of wisdom. Okay, little word of wisdom of? from Colin. What have you got for us? Uh, okay, can the glass is the glass is neither. Half full or half empty, it is merely twice the size it's required to be. Oh, <laughs> oh I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming so, on the podcast, Colin. It's been an absolute pleasure. No problem, Kyle. Great to see you doing well. I'm glad to hear your pony starting to go the right way. If I can ever be of assistance, you only have to ask. Uh, awesome. Sometimes I'm not very good. I need reminded if you ask me. I think I forgot to do something for you once, and I still remember that I feel guilty about it. So, oh, I don't even remember <laughs> what it is. Good thing my memory. Doesn't I, I serve think me. you asked me for a reference for something, and I, I think I forgot to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm, I'm pretty sure you did say that you'd be better off just coming on the podcast, and here you are. Yeah. So, so follow yeah, through. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, and, and no, keep up the good work and keep trying to promote the sport the best you can. I will keep trying to teach people the best I can so our sport has the best riding and the ponies have the best life. And let's hope we can grow the sport a bit further and see where it goes. Cheers to that. And we'll see you at probably, I'll probably only next see you at Champions League. Would you be at Champions League? 
Would you have any reason? I to will attempt to be a Champions League. It really depends on how easy it is to move about. <laughs> I guess um, if it's difficult. I will definitely be at. Well, I will be definitely be trying to be at World Individuals because I have. So if you're going to be there, I intend um, on entering. So maybe I'll, I'll definitely see you there. Beautiful, splendid. Well, have a All fantastic right. evening. Kyle. Thank you. Take care. You too. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Bye. So, sweet. Cheers, Colin.